Good morning and welcome as on the 5th of July we continue our series Hope for Troubled Hearts. I'm Mike, one of the elders at Faversham Community Church. If you've been following the series, we've so far covered chapter 14 of John's Gospel. We are now going to go into chapter 15, but the first part where Jesus talks about him being the vine and us being the branches, we covered in at the end of last year. Sam will be putting a link to those sermons if you want to look at them. So I'll be picking up at verse 18 of chapter 15, but looking back to verse 17 to remind us of a little bit of the context. If you haven't been with us before, you're very welcome. Do get in contact with us if you have any questions. And the same applies actually to people who regularly listen in and are part of the church. What I'm going to cover today is a very wide topic and I won't be able to deal with much in detail. So if there are any issues I mention which you'd like to talk through further, do phone me or get in contact and we can pursue things in more detail. So, John chapter 15, verse 17. These things I command you so that you will love one another. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you will also bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all of these things to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues, Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. So for my theme today, I'm taking the first verse, words of verse 18. If the world hates you. And I'm going to look at the four different parts of that, if the world hates and you. Now, this might not seem a very cheerful topic to be speaking on, and it doesn't necessarily seem to fit in 
to a series of sermons under the theme Hope for Troubled Hearts. But the Bible, Jesus, is always realistic. We don't live in a make-believe world where everything is nice, easy and no problems at all. So actually, as I hope I will show you, this is actually an encouragement rather than anything else. Let's start with the first word, if. In some places and sometimes, there is hatred and persecution of the church, which seems to be continuous. Obvious places for that at the moment would be countries like North Korea and Saudi Arabia. However, that isn't the usual pattern. So the word if is relevant. So why does Jesus talk about it here? In chapter 16 and verse 1, the ESV, which I've read from, says to keep you from falling away. Jesus is warning us. But the word used in the Greek is very difficult to translate into English as it's really a word picture. So other attempts at translation have said things like stop you from being tripped up or to prepare you for rough times ahead. The word used is the word in Greek for the spring in a trap. So there's an element here of you could get caught out. But the important bit is as an element of surprise and suddenness which is generally missing in English translations. There can be a suddenness in an attack, and you think, where did that come from? So Jesus is warning us that we need to be prepared so that we can recognise the situation when it comes. I then want to go on to the world. This topic was covered well earlier this week, in a blog post which Andrew Wilson wrote uh, for the Think Theology website discussing the topic of structural racism, which obviously is very relevant at the moment. And I think it'd be worth me reading the first two paragraphs of this because it gives us a very good understanding of what the Bible means by the world in this context. But I thoroughly recommend, and the other elders do, that you have a look at this passage if you want to get some idea of how to approach the issue of structural racialism uh, from a Christian perspective. But anyway, his first two paragraphs. One thing which has come to light in the last few weeks is there's plenty of disagreement over whether structural racism exists. For many Christians, racism is something which takes place both consciously and individually, so it's not something that can occur without knowing it, and nor can it be perpetuated by a social structure or a system. For many others, the conscious and interpersonal forms of racism are only the tip of the iceberg. They are the bits that can be seen and decried, but they're held in place by a whole variety of institutional, structural and systemic factors which are most of the time largely hidden beneath the surface.
I take the second view. Christians of all people should know that evil is held in place not just by the self, the sin, sorry, not just by the flesh, the sinful self, or even the devil and associated demonic powers, but also by the world, the structures and systems of human power that perpetuate injustice, idolatry and immorality. It seems clear to me, for instance, that contemporary Britain is not just comprised of individual men and women who are idolatrous or sexually immoral. Our systems, structures and institutions promote idolatry and sexual immorality in a way that is often tangential to or independent of deliberate human agency. The same is true of injustices, including racial ones. Christians are not saying this because we've been influenced by Marx. Marxists are saying it because they've been influenced by Christ. So when persecution and discrimination comes, it's not just a case of individuals picking on us. There are whole structures in society which back it up as well. Moving on to the idea of hate. It seems odd that immediately after Jesus has been talking about him being the vine and us being the branches, ending up with a command to love one another, that the next thing he talks about is hate. So why is the response of some people to the Christian message and to Christians hate? Let's look again at verses 22 to 24, where Jesus said, If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have seen and hated both me and the father. Now clearly, people had been guilty of sin before Jesus came. Otherwise, why did he come? There would have been no need. So here, when Jesus is saying people would not have been guilty of sin before he came, he's talking very much about a specific sin and not sin generally. The sin they're guilty of here is that they've seen the Messiah. They've seen the works he's done. They've heard the words he said, and they've rejected him. And if they've rejected him, how do they then respond? Let's go back to what Jesus said earlier, or referring to what Jesus said earlier in the gospel in chapter three and verse 19. This is talking about Jesus coming into the world. It comes after a verse we often quote in that chapter, verse 16, talking about God loving the world and giving his only son. But then what happens in verse 19? And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. 
For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. Jesus is light. And usually we look at light as being good. But when people do things which they don't want to be challenged about, they much prefer darkness rather than light. And this results in hatred, sometimes very clear, sometimes a bit more under the surface. So when Jesus comes with his light and reveals sin to us, when he reveals the aspects of our lives which we'd rather keep hidden, what do we do? Do we come to him for forgiveness and redemption? Which is the whole reason he came and died on the cross and rose again, triumphing over death. Or do we want to return to the darkness, either hiding from the light or even, as happens with persecution, try and make the light go out? If the world hates you, Jesus said in verse 20 that a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. So we shouldn't be surprised when persecution comes. If people's response to the light of Jesus not everyone, but many, was to hate him and want to see him killed. When we who are followers of Jesus, who seek to live our lives as he did, to bring his light into the world as he did, we should not be surprised if persecution comes. In this time of great challenge for our nation, we are looking and hoping that we will see people come to know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. That they will use this challenge to our society to look at their lives and come to the light. But if we see a move of the Spirit and that happening, there will also be a reaction against it. Because not everybody will want to come to the light. So, we should both expect in the coming months and years to see many more people coming to salvation. But we should also expect a lot more challenge, a lot more discrimination, and a lot more persecution. The distinction between those who are followers of Jesus and those who are not will become sharper. It will be harder for people to say that they like the morals of Jesus 
but don't want uh, the spiritual side. People will need to come down one way or the other. In my life, I've experienced very little persecution or discrimination. A little. I think what I found is I have no objection to suffering for my faith. Because following Jesus is the most important part of my life. Where I found it hard is where the discrimination comes because of what people presume I believe because I'm a Christian when that is not what I believe. With all the various things on intersectionality and so on, you'll find a lot of attacks on Christianity. And often it's on aspects which we would say were not Christian. And we have to confess that Christians often have not lived up to the standards of the Bible and Jesus' standards. But as Tom Holland pointed out in his book Dominion, when people are challenging the church on that, they're actually using Christian standards to challenge us. And we should be challenged when we don't live up to our standards. But what can we learn from all of these, this passage? First, when persecution comes, it should not be unexpected. In fact, it will be a fulfilment of God's holy word. Secondly, the whole reason Jesus writes about this here is not to frighten us up, but enable us to stand, to enable us to be prepared. So that when sudden attacks are come, we're not suddenly thinking, ah, I didn't expect this when I became a Christian. It's something we should expect to happen at various times. It's not something we need to go out looking for. It's certainly not something we should provoke. But when it comes our way, however hard it is, however unfair it is, however we think we are being misjudged, maligned or whatever, if we're being discriminated against for our Lord, all it means is that we, his servants, are being treated like the master. And therefore let's rejoice. Not because suffering is pleasant, but because we have been chosen to be honoured, to be treated like our master was. God bless you all.